Hey boys, it's Nico. Just doing a little audio disclaimer for this episode. Uh, the audio got a little screwed up towards the end of the episode, so if it sounds weird, we promise it's not your phone. It's most definitely us, so thanks for bearing with us there. Uh, and while I'm here, I just wanted to plug a couple of Connor and I's upcoming shows that if you're in New York City, we would love for you to come out to. First, we're doing our first ever half-hour set on October 26th at 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Uh, if you live around here, we would love for you to be there. It's going to be a really fun show. Savannah Disarmo is opening for us, who's an amazing comic in the city, so definitely check that out. And then after that, in November, is New York Comedy Festival, and we're excited to be a part of the festival this year. Our show, Boys Club, is on November 10th at 9.30 p.m. Uh, you can get tickets to that as well as our half-hour sets in our Instagram bios as well as the show's Instagram bio. So if you're in the city, we'd love to see you there. Uh, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Me giving away like a size two Cynthia Rally dress and then telling you where you should wear it is like, this guy, I'm wearing an Argyle sweater in the video. <laughs> okay, but Argyle had a moment. And yeah. it wasn't this moment. It wasn't the moment. <laughs> Hi, Nico. What's up, Con? Not much. I love you. I love you. No homo. Mm, a little bit of homo for me. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. From two guys who are never part of the boys club, we want to welcome you into ours. Welcome to boys club. This is our podcast. About boys. And about other things. Like their clubs. And the things we were a part of. Hockey. And we're not a part of. Bagels. Wait, did you say we were a part of hockey? I wasn't. Me neither. Welcome to the club, boys. Grab a bagel. Grab a boys. Grab a bagel. I was like, what do boys eat? <laughs> That made me think about my therapy session. <laughs> How was your new therapist today? It was good. This is what we we edit. I feel like it's important to say. My therapy <laughs> session was amazing. I feel like it was very vulnerable. I recently fired my straight male therapist, and now I've taken on a queer woman. We talked a lot about sex. So I talked about how I was like trying to talk more, and there's something about like talk. I was literally talking to her like, yeah, there's something about just like trying to get it in the butt that's really stressful, and it's like sitting there talking. I'm talking to a medical professional about this, and she's just like nodding. She's Anytime I feel like I'm being crazy to my therapist, I'm like, this is not the craziest thing they've heard, for sure. No, I actually... It makes me less insecure about it. Wait, it's funny (laughs) if you ask that, because I was like, I wonder if she thinks I'm, like, complicated, because she sees, like, so many people, and I wonder if she's like, this is someone who's, like, having a really complicated human experience, or on the spectrum of human experiences that she's privy to, am I, like, so boring? No, I absolutely am always like, I hope that she, or I hope my therapist finds me, like, to be really introspective and smart. (laughs) Which is bad. That's not healthy. I should just like no, be present and be there, but it's incredibly unhealthy. <laughs> I do. I had one therapist because I had a lot. One that was like, oh, this girl. This girl. She. She was like, wow. Do you always? I, I said something like about how I was talking myself through an issue, of course. And she was like, do you always talk to yourself like that? That was incredible. And I was like, yeah. What are you here for? I'm doing <laughs> just to pat job. you on the back. Yes. Wow. And then I said, where do you live? And then I thought she was going to say Long Island. And then she said Brooklyn. And I was like, fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> Would it have changed your opinion of her if she was from Long Island? Yes, because one time I did BetterHelp. And then, well, I didn't even ever go through the session, but they sent me someone from Dallas. Yeah. And I was like, I can't talk to someone from I Dallas. went to one BetterHelp, and they were from, like, Idaho or something. And she was like, my husband's trans. And I was like, that is not the same. Wait, that's <laughs> fascinating. Though. Yeah. Um. Wait, did you see any boys clubs this week? Yeah, there's, um. well, there's a chill in the air. So, yep. chill in the air, I, every time I've ever fallen in love twice, both times were in the fall, so anytime there's a chill in the air, I feel like I should fall in love. Like, it's very, like... Cuffing season. Yeah. I'm, like, looking around. I'm, like, we're falling in love. Like, let's go. Mm-hmm. But then the chill in the air also relates to my boys club, which is, um, this is hacky, but it is 
the people that go into Trader Joe's and buy one of every single pumpkin item, and it's me. That's you. <laughs> absolutely me. I eat normal one time a year, and it is in the fall. Before I'm an anorexic, I'm a white woman. And I love, I got tea, I got coffee, I got Quest bars, I got ice cream, I got a candle, I got every single pumpkin item that they have. We both got pumpkin madeleines. I got Madeline. Do you drink yeah. pumpkin spice coffee? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I put literal pumpkin. They have pumpkin spice, you know. Do they have pumpkin uh, spice. stevia? Spice. No, but no, but maybe someone will hear this and, and send you some. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nico, I don't, I don't take stevia, though. That's like Gwyneth Paltrow fake sugar. I'm like an aspartame. Oh, aspartame. I'm sorry. I the always, one that gives I always you miss. Is the one that I have. The one that, is that true? Yeah. We're not gonna. We'll fact check that at home for the boys at no, home. No, really. Check. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're careful about what medical information we put out. We want everybody to know that nothing we say is true. Yeah, yeah. None we say is true. You should not trust us as a, as any professionals. The monkeypox vaccine does work. You have to <laughs> don't listen to us. It works. Um, that's a good boys club. Thank you. Wait, I, oh, wait, no, you go. I was gonna say the boys club we both experienced on Friday, Saturday. Was yeah. we at our show on Saturday? We had our boys club show on Saturday. It's January sixth. And there was some, some like, guys that kind of had, like, a Duck Dynasty vibe to them yeah. that just, like, happened into the bar and, like, stayed for the show and heckled so badly that we had to ask them to leave, which we've never had to do before. Yeah. I don't even know if I've been on a show where somebody's gotten kicked out before. No. I've seen it happen. No, I have not. And, but it started with, we were sitting outside before the show and this man walks up and he says, do any of you have a lighter? And no, no, no. He said, does anybody have fire? Yeah. Does anybody have fire? <laughs> We look at him. We were all like, what? And then he says, none of you have a lighter. And I was like, he was like, I did have a lighter. But he, I was like, what? Did you really? <laughs> no, I didn't give it to him, but I just have it. Oh, I didn't know you had one. I had to carry around in my little satchel. Oh. It's like a lighter and gum. And gum. Yeah. Because you never know <laughs> and you're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I genuinely didn't. And he looked at us like, and I was like, you serious? And I was like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't have one. I'm very sorry. But then, then they ended up at the show and were rowdy and loud. Yeah. And then they got kicked out, and then three people behind them left in, like, uh, protest. in protest of us kicking them out, which in, was kind of crazy. It was like a police state, I think. They thought. No, I think that they were pro-Trump because the comic on stage was making jokes about these guys as if they were, like, MAGA folks. Because one yeah. of them did say something about America. He said MAGA! Did he? He said MAGA. Okay, I heard America, but I trust I him. think he said MAGA as a joke, but it was like, okay, but you don't realize you're privileged because you are presenting. I don't know what they were, but they were presenting extremely, like, comfortable white men. He had a doctors. mullet in not a queer way. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you can't say MAGA. Yeah, and it'd be, it'd be like, yeah, you're joking. Like, that's funny. Like, you say it, and we're like, okay, hi. Like, Too it, close to the thing you're satirizing yeah. to be terrible. Yeah. And yeah. anyway, so then the people behind them, I think, were like, mad. We're out of here, too. And it was like, okay. It was, so kind of a weird energy to the yeah. start of the show. But we lost six audience members <laughs> in the first two comics. Six casualties. Six casualties. But they paid, so that's all that matters. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they settled their taps, and that was the loudest part was them settling their taps. Yeah, then so they like, had to. Yeah, then they got kicked out, but they had to still like close out. <laughs> so they're in the back, like causing a ruckus while they're closing out their tab. It was such a did mess. Did you hear the guy that was just like, "Can I use the, just use the bathroom before I go?" Isn't it justice <laughs> to be like, "You can't use the bathroom yeah, here. You gotta were, go. You no. gotta get out of here." Yeah. Anyway, that was a boys' couple. We both. And at one point, I touched one of them, and I said, "Oh, I yes. called him babe," and I said. Babe, well, no. He had to. He was trying to give the comic on stage a shot from the bar, and like walked up to the stage to try to hand. I thought about you, boys. 
Our guest today is an incredible stand-up comedian, one of my favorites in New York. She's been on our Boys Club show before. She's an incredible podcast called We're Having Gay Sex and a great weekly show at Sour Mouse called Sunday School that you have to check out if you're in New York. Boys, please welcome Ashley Gavin. It's me. Hey. I, uh, I'm like super new to comedy audiences. They think because they see me screaming on TikTok at hecklers that they should be talking to me, and it happens... I would say at every show at this yeah. point. It's like, and and I'm, last night I borderline had a mental breakdown at, at Sunday at school. At Sunday school? I was like, literally like, you guys, I can't do it. It might not feel like a big deal to you here, but like to always be performing for an undercurrent of talking, wooing, and weird clapping for the word gay every yeah. other second. Like, I can't do it anymore. Like, yeah. I'm losing my mind. I don't want to be a gay artist. Yeah. I'm a comedian. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, people like that, they, they people don't realize what a huge disruption it is. It, it, I don't understand how people don't get it that yeah. someone speaking while you're speaking is yeah. disruptive to your thought process. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, I mean, you guys both know this. Anytime you're at a show, especially in a smaller venue like Club Coming is, if even one tiny sneeze or like yes. drink drops or anything, people are distracted for at least a second. Yeah. And that's enough to take away from momentum. Totally. The set. So, like, that big of a disruption is really hard to get by. Yeah, and I feel like it sucks, at least in this instance, the energy was just like sucked out of the room every time they... Because people are like, what's going to happen with these guys? Yeah. What's going on? Because I think everybody was a little bit nervous because they were just like... They were rowdy. Here's and the thing. Just, yeah. If you're an audience member at one of these shows, can you stop being a little bitch and being nervous? And what you need to do is applaud for the comedian. If yeah. someone is being... This is yeah. another thing that I miss about straight audiences. If someone is being weird to the comedian... The crowd is supposed to be like, shut the fuck up, boo, yeah. you suck. Like, the, but gay audiences are like, this conflict, I'm not sure that's going <laughs> I'm a peacemaker. I really, I just don't like drama, no drama. Let's I'm an introvert. Stage. <laughs> don't perceive me. Like, you guys work it out. And it, it's just like, oh my God, I, I can't stand it. Because then it, it's like weirdly gaslighting. Yeah. For you yeah. to yell at the audience member and everyone to be like, I Yeah. Like, you're doing the right thing by kicking them out. Yeah. You're making the show better for everybody. So you want the support of everybody. Yeah. Yes. It it definitely... Um, it's also what you were saying about your um, your gay audiences. Like, you're typically... Like, you know, you I love like, you so much. They're the best. But they do... <laughs> it is funny when queer people clap at, like, the word... It's like, who are we clapping? We're all gay here. Who are we yeah. clapping for? I, who are I, we clapping for? I don't know who we're clapping for. I think they just don't know how to be at a comedy show is the first piece of it. The second piece yeah. of it is they're used to their slam poetry readings where they're all hyping each other up and mm. their rallies where they're yeah. all hyping each other up. But it's not a protest. It's not like it, the inner, the comedy is an art of timing. Mm-hmm. So anytime there is a timing disruption that the comedian is not accustomed to, weird wooing at moments, weird clapping at moments, the comedian knows because of the social rules that we all engage in when the claps are usually going to happen. Yeah. Like, for example, is anyone here from Ohio? Mm-hmm. That's like a time where you would expect an interruption. But if you're like, oh, I was seeing a girl and then people just start clapping for you, that's a weird... Yeah. Like, you're in the middle of a sentence. You shouldn't be interrupting my comedic timing. Yeah. And you should know that. It, <laughs> that's actually exactly what this was. And that it was... And that's why I think it took us a long... Not a long time, but it was like... It's like, is this heckling? Is this... Like, because it would be just like... I... They'd say a fact, and then they'd be like, yeah. 
And then they'd say like another yes, thing. After like, yeah, after everything. Yeah. That's heckling. Yeah. People don't realize that that's heckling yeah. anymore. I don't know why. It yeah. is It is also, now that you're, like, we've, we've talked about this before too, about how, like, you know, audiences, on, like, people on TikTok or Instagram Reels or whatever, they see crowd work bits a lot, so they expect that at shows. We've talked about that yeah. too. And another thing I'm just now thinking of is I feel like the way people consume any content nowadays, it's like you like, you comment. So you are engaging with, in a conversational manner with whatever is being out there versus like stand-up is theater. Like somebody is speaking and you are listening and you are responding with your laughs and claps when it's appropriate, but you're not supposed to speak. Like it would be so inappropriate to be at a play yes. and shout things out. Yes. But for I some reason, why they don't get it. stand-up doesn't get that same... Level I mean, of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, like you said, it's so frustrating to get... I mean, anytime I get thrown off my rhythm, it's like, well, now I have to repeat this entire setup because I feel to, so weird. You but know? that's the correct thing to do because a lot of comics don't know that. That's yeah. a baby comic move to be like, oh, I got interrupted. I'm just going to say the punchline now. No. You they can't forget do what that. you said. They forgot <laughs> what you said. Yeah. And the rhythm matters. Mm-hmm. Like the setup into the. But people don't realize that because they don't go to see comedy, they go to see gay people. Yeah. And so they don't know the culture. They know drag culture. Right. Which is a lot of like <laughs> screaming and stuff, which yeah, is yeah, but yeah. totally separate. But they don't know comedy culture. Right. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm on a soapbox. I'm, I had no. a really rough weekend. <laughs> no, no. I Thank think, you for having me. Absolutely. That's why I don't here. like drag shows. Because I want, this is me in a space. The people at home want to imagine it. I want to be like this. So I'm in a dream audience member because I'm just like, don't, don't Fetal look. is how I would Yeah. Fetal. Fetal and bird like. So that when people are like, <laughs> but in a drag show, it's like. A little bird like, in an egg. That's yeah. what you are. I, I came out the way, I never changed, but I like, I just want to be like alone and quiet. So like, to me, that's why I love like theater because you sit there and you're alone or stand up like sitting in the back, you're just alone. Whereas at a drag show, it's like, as an audience member, you're half the performer. You I agree. I, it is. Horrible. It's an art form. Drag is an art form that I'm not like super accustomed to, mm-hmm. but I know it's a huge part of my community. So I've yeah. made like an effort to like learn, but yeah. it's not, it's not like a thing that I go and feel comfortable watching in public because I, yeah. I don't like, I don't lip sync along or sing along. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not that person. And people want to police your fun. They're like, you're not having fun. Right. And it's like, this is how I, I have never fun. know how to, I never know how to behave in that space either. The first no. couple times I saw drag, I was like, I feel like I'm the biggest stick in the mud here. Cause yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. like yeah. half bay on totally. the stage too, you know? drag people go to a comedy show, I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Like, go, go back to your drag show. I don't want you here. But when drag queens do comedy, then I'm very comfortable. I'm just yeah. laughing at the jokes. I yeah. think they're so funny. Yeah, they're great. I who was I? Maybe we were talking about this. I forget. But I've been at shows too sometimes where like the audience is like pretty heavily like cis gay men who are maybe I don't know like so we I forget what we were talking about this but people that are like maybe big on Twitter or have like a Twitter presence or something that they think they're just as funny as the comics on stage. Oh, which very frequent. Listen, Mateo Lane talks about this all the time. A lot of uh, gay male comedians talk about this. Just like that being a gay man performing for cis gay men is truly one of the most difficult yeah uh shows you can do because all of them did theater in high school right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and not to stereotype but they no but they want to be up there <laughs> they think that they can be up there they think they're funny or they think that their responses will be like helpful or better and it's like it really is crazy up. i did a show at the rosemont but i walk in there's all the whole audience is white gay men and it was like the, 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 See, uh, it's like the the flip of my audience yeah which is yes. white lesbians yeah who don't want to be reminded that they're white man do they hate that that's fascinating because <laughs> i love to come on stage and go hello white lesbians yeah and they're like what do you want i'm like what do you want me to say hello white lesbians <laughs> yeah. 
And I think with <laughs> gay men, there's this added, I don't know if this is true for lesbians too, but there's this added thing of like, it, like you're, they all did theater in high school and they also all go to the underwear party on Fire Island. And so it's like this thing where it's like you're at a theater, but you're also kind of at the underwear party on Fire Island, but you all have clothes on. And it's just yeah. like, the, you're being perceived in like multiple ways it's at the true. same time. It's crazy. I feel objectified at my show. Yeah. Like, this is like kind of like in Philly, someone just in the middle of my set yelled, "We love a long-haired butch," and I was like, "Please, sh- my vagina has never been drier in my life. I'm not gonna have sex with you for yelling, we love a long-haired butch at my show.' Oh, that's fucked up. Like it was just that's so like rowdy. It's very rowdy, and when I do jokes about sex and dating in a straight room, I just kill. Mm-hmm. I just have an amazing set, and when I'm in a room of my people, and I love them, I love them, but like. You guys, like, you gotta listen to these sex jokes without, like, picturing me having sex. Yeah. Like, you can't, that's yeah. so, I mean, I obviously don't know what they're actually picturing, yeah. but, like, I get a lot of, ow, like, that yeah. kind of thing, and I'm like, please, yeah. can I just be a person? Yeah. Men have never yeah. objectified me the way that the lesbians it's, on TikTok It's feral. It's me. feral is what it is. It's like, <laughs> it, it is crazy because... Every time I come, I'm at your shows and stuff, and your audience. It's, oh yeah, they do the same thing to you. Yeah, they def- they definitely do the same <laughs> thing to me, and it's just a sea of people who you're like, wow, like we're just so starved for lesbian bars and like dyke spaces, and just like that is so clear because they when they get in a room together, they just don't know what to do, and they just get they're like, this is all like there's all this energy in here and they just get crazy and it's like this is still a comedy show like yeah, yeah. like you guys can go fuck that. around afterwards but like yeah. st- for yeah. right now listen and have a good time you know it's it's crazy yeah, yeah. yeah. wait so what's your vo- did we do your boys club oh my boys club for this my week bad. I'm sorry. oh no you're all good we no, jump around um my boys club for this week is city bike related and it's people who are intense about like grabbing the city bikes and so I was in the Lower East Side uh, and I was trying to get back home from the Lower East Side over the Williamsburg Bridge and I was like I have to get an electric city bike that bridge is too steep I'm not doing a regular one so I was like I went to like three different city bike stations they're all like you know not working because they if you get up to them sometimes they have like a red light and they're just like not working um so i went to three different ones and then i'm i'm jogging over to this last one and i see like as i'm jogging over a guy coming from the other direction like jogging down this long line of city bikes and i was like i wonder if he's going like for the same one so i like pick up the pace a little bit and i get there maybe a step before him and he gets up there and he goes nah 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 man not for you you didn't say that part of the story before you got there before him yes a second before him and he like then he like and then he was like it was very close but i was definitely there first and he goes nah man not for you and like i was like okay. did you just watch him bike away yeah i was like all right i'm not gonna get in a fight in at 9 p.m on the lower east side with this tall and man that's the difference between you and me <laughs> and that's some white lady purpose because well, i immediately would have been like I was thinking about that because I came home and told Maddie about it and I was like I hate to be the guy that says this but I feel like if I was still presenting as a woman he wouldn't have pushed me on it he would have let me have it I bet it would take a real jerk asshole to put to like and those exist maybe if I was because when I was presented when I was identifying as lesbian I was very mask presenting and had short hair so maybe he would have felt inclined to like disregard me because of that no i don't think so but i'm pretty masculine but when i turn on that i need this i need yeah. white lady i need this bike energy yeah I, it is it is on yeah and always wins so i was <laughs> 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 Karen is right you know? <laughs> 
But I, I like to say it rarely happens. Yeah. Okay? Only in emergencies. Yeah. Sometimes Use that power for good. You got to pull out the card sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I live in a constant fear of being emasculated. And in that situation, I would have been like, no. And it would have been like, I would have fought. So I like do. Like the guy, when I said, you got to go away. Because I stood there and I was like, you I'm not. You said no, like you were talking to a dog that took a shit well, off. Well, there's a problem. There's a problem. No. For someone. <laughs> no. It's my bike. But yeah. for someone who lives in constant fear of being emasculated, it's like the most inconvenient fear because I'm very easy to emasculate. And that's okay. I'm wearing nail polish right now. <laughs> jowls. I'm wearing jowls. Because I'm jowls. I'm wearing a, a white. When I bought this hoodie, they said that this is a hoodie that we wear to a Bulls game, and I was like, "Well, then it's for me because that's like a Chicago Bulls, Bulls, Bulls game. game." Yes, but like even when the, the heckling thing was happening and you dealt with it quicker, I was like, "I'm being emasculated right now." No, but that's then so you. Funny that you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I even when like anytime that there's like any like with it, someone needs to like rise to like the opportunity. I'm like, it's got it. Oh I gotta God. protect. You know, though, when I'm reflecting on it. Because I have had situations before where, like, I'll be outside. Like, one time, Jesse, our friend, you've met Jesse before, I think, Jesse Ballard, maybe in passing, our friend when I were outside. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Sweet Jesse. We were outside a bodega, and there was a guy outside just giving everybody a hard time, just like yelling shit, drunk, whatever. And I forget what he said to us, but he said something, and it made me turn, like, want to turn around and be like, fuck off. And I didn't, because I was like, whatever, I'll just, like, let it go. But I think, had there been somebody with me, I maybe would have been more inclined to be like, you're not taking this from me because if there's an audience there to perceive me like being emasculated, I maybe would have like done something. Yes. But because I was all by myself, I was like, this is not worth the fight right now. I'm just going to like let it go. Yeah. I'm trying to like reflect on my own fear of embarrassment. Like I was at a show last night. A girl that I've been seeing brought her friends to the show. My audience was being super fucking weird. They're weirder to me than they are to everyone else on the show is mm-hmm. another thing that I'm learning, which feels embarrassing. Mm. And I was like, am I, when you brought this up, I was like, am I, do I have a fear of being embarrassed or do I have an emasculation situation? Because mm. I have a big issue with dating bisexual women. And when I say issue, I don't mean actually issue. Just like a kind of a pattern <laughs> that I have. I date a lot of bisexual, pansexual women and like. They're everywhere. They, they are everywhere. And I'm like, I get a little more worried when they, this isn't like, I'm saying this, I know this is problematic as I say this. I get more worried when I'm in like a fling or like an open thing with a bisexual woman when they sleep with men. And I used to attribute it to this past experience where I had a girlfriend who cheated on me with a guy and it was awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like truly the worst because she was also having like a crisis of sexuality now identifies as straight. Mm -hmm. She told me when we broke up, she was straight. So there was like a lot of underlying (laughs) issues there. But I also like wonder if my fear of men isn't just from that i wonder if it's like an emasculation thing like a there's like a male part of me that's like you know what i mean yeah Yeah. so i don't know just reflecting on that a little bit i think that i constantly worry about that like even i like i'm the bottom and i but if i feel feminized in a relationship i hate that yeah i don't want to feel feminized which is like in a relate like there's obviously like a balance of masculine and feminine energies in a relationship but if i'm the like I don't know if I feel like I'm the woman in a relationship. I get, or I should rephrase that, the feminine one in the relationship. I'm like, I'm not comfortable, and that's probably something I should work out with my queer woman therapist. Yeah, <laughs> I don't <laughs> that. Like, I definitely like, and when when people get to know me, they're like, oh, you're way more femme than I expected. You're softer than I expected. Like in a relationship, because I'm like just such a douche on stage, honestly, <laughs> that I think people are surprised. But that specifically, 
is something that I like kind of want to think about. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, bi women get so much shit like from lesbians about men. Yeah, you do. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to be a part of it. I'm working on it. And I see you and your love in all directions is valid and beautiful. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I'm part of the problem. It's, <laughs> it's hard though. It's hard to like, I mean, I definitely had a lot of like issues around that too because I, the first couple people I dated were closeted to some degree or bisexual and then like immediately dated men after they dated me yeah, or were yeah. like all this and or had like crises of their of sexuality and yeah. stuff which doesn't make you feel good or affirmed or like but it also has probably nothing to do with you a lot absolutely yeah. yeah it of course it always has way more to do with them than it ever does have to do with you but like it's hard to not see that to do with them. right it's hard not to yeah. yeah yeah it's impossible to not take things like that personally because we're so vulnerable in relationships and especially when you're young and you're first like dating people like of course you're gonna take that personally but i definitely have that mass like i'm sort of in this like semi open I'm in a thing that like has mm-hmm. not a lot of rules in a great way right now but like when she hooks up with mask lesbians or men I'm a little bit like oh yeah but when she <laughs> this is so problematic but when she hook up, hooks up with femme like the femme is the type of girl that I would be into I'm like oh that's pretty cool yeah not in like yeah. a fetishy way but like oh like she's cute like I would I'm way more able to be the less jealous partner totally when I'm when I'm looking at someone that I am also attracted to. Yeah. When I'm not attracted to them, I see them as a competition. And I really have to, like, be like, Ashley, don't don't be a fucking dude about this. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't be a dude. I feel like when I, if I think about, like, queer people, and if, let's say they have, like, you know, X number of boxes of, like, types of people that they're attracted to, if they are going for somebody that is a box you already tick off, it's like, wait, don't you already have that? Like, why do you yes, need that? That's what it is. Go for something you don't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can be at peace with the fact if you, like, if, if Maddie you decided. You had ramen yesterday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, Wasn't like, it great? Right. Right. Yeah. Get some pizza. That's fine. We can all agree pizza's great. But, like, yeah. Box, like, when my ex would, would be with people that I decided were just, like, not that interesting, I'd be like, yeah, that's funny that you're hooking up with someone who doesn't have strong internal fire. Okay. <laughs> but I've got a complex human experience going on, and I hope you're happy with that. I hope you're happy with that boring yeah. person. Yeah, I hope you're bored. I hope you're real bored. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Even well, matter how, it didn't matter how hot he was or how, like, whatever. I was like, you can tell there's not a lot going on behind the eyes, and mm. that's what matters. I hope yeah. I don't sound problematic. I do want no. people to know I'm revealing a vulnerable part of myself in order to explore these yeah. these issues. I definitely am not trying to be mean to the person I'm dating. No, not at all. We, <laughs> no. we like to talk about all, like, the gray areas of all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's what's interesting about it. And, I, I mean, you've said this before. It's, like, very, like, case by case for, for everything. Sure, it's for impossible sure. to – and that's what bums me out when queer people – usually on the internet try to like do blanket statements about things and like box people in and it's Mm. like like the that is the antithesis to what queerness is supposed to be it's supposed to be open-ended and it's supposed to be like filled with nuance like why right why are we trying to like (laughs) pen this down wait but you also say that you say it's nuanced but then also cynical (laughs) being queer is there's a cynicism in it well i I think think, well i just think any marginalized group is going to have some cynicism yeah. of, to, about life yeah. no matter who that is kind of a jaded like yeah well you're yeah. kind of forced to see that the things aren't people aren't always nice to you yeah and not everybody yeah. cares about you you like you you come into the world knowing that 
Yeah. Everyone cares too much about me is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And they need to just sit there and laugh. <laughs> well, I think not to bring back to these heckler boys, one of which was named Lucky, I just remembered. What? But yeah, maybe they lied. Lucky and then two other normal sounded names. But That's his motorcycle name. Yeah, pro- yeah, they probably lied. I made a joke about it being from the South, and he was like, don't say that. I'm from California, and I, I didn't know what to they do. They were, I, guys. yeah. They're, they're libertarians. Probably. They love gay people, and they hate Joe Biden. That's what I think you were encountering. Probably. Motorcycle libertarians. Yeah, from Very Cali- specific breed of, they <laughs> love me. <by laughs> Those guys, fuck with me. We should send them your way. <laughs> we'll send them to, yeah, Lucky and his two cousins, but... They, I think, like a queer person in that room, is just aware of how they're be like how they're coming off, how they're affecting the people around them. Maybe not all the times. I'm queer people are real shitholes, but like, no, like, no. Oftentimes they like know how. They're very aware. They're aware. Whereas these three guys, whether or not I think one of them maybe was queer and got upset about it when he was leaving, but it was like, yes. okay, well you're presenting <laughs> as duck dying, like you're presenting as a cis straight man, and the way that you're just like shouting in a room where everyone else is quiet is like kind of proof of that that you're just like not My aware of how you affect like, people how do you know what their pronouns are <laughs> exactly literally <laughs> I know um, should we should we ask our questions yes the right. first question you can go in any order that you want but the first question typically is what is a boys club that you are not or were not a part of okay I feel like I've been borderline problematic this whole time with my discussion of bisexuality uh, but I I, I, hope, I hope people know I'm Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I wanted to talk about how in high school, or I don't know if I wanted to talk about this, but something that I thought of, like a boys club. So when I was in high school, I was secretly fucking women. Like, no one knew. Well, I'm sure everyone knew. Yeah. But no one talked about it. Right. It wasn't like an open thing. And this guy, Max, at my school, he's super popular. And, uh... Oh, I should talk about this on my own podcast. And he, like, one time was talking about this girl. I don't know how he ended up. Me and my friends used to be in a quiet, well, hang out in the quiet room in the library and just get yelled at for being too loud, like, over and over again. Yeah. That was sort of our hang. <laughs> and he came into our quiet room, and I don't know why, but we got into this discussion about how this girl, we got to give her a name. Lauren. Lauren. He was like, Lauren, she's hot. And he's, like, really popular and cool. Mm-hmm. And I was secretly banging Lauren. Hell yeah. And I couldn't be like, yes, Lauren is hot. And also, I'm having sex with her. So I really wanted... I wanted to be, be like, a popular sports boy. Yeah. That was, like, getting ass. This yeah. is so problematic. I wanted people to know that I was capable of getting hot high school ass yeah. at the time when I was in high school. But no one knew, and I just like wanted people to know I was out there doing it. No, completely. against all odds. Yeah, your boys club is really Chad Michael Murray. My boys club is Chad Michael Murray. Two thousand five, and I couldn't be in it. Yeah, yeah that that's makes my sense. boys club. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no absolutely. It does. It's that, that yes, that I went to an all boys Catholic high school, and that was like a very like, but like we had a sister school. Yes, of course. So, so then there was like, where'd you grow up? Philadelphia suburbs. Oh, okay. Where? So, um, Lafayette Hill, do you know it? No, but I went to Bryn Mawr. Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I went to Walter Mercy Academy for okay, grade school, okay. which is like right up the road. Oh, okay. And, uh, but yeah. And what was the girls' school? The sister's school? Um, well, Mary, 
Oh, but I know, no, I know people at Baldwin though. Okay, okay. That's a cult. That's like a very skull and bones. It's right of. across the street from Primark. Yeah, and, and, and the Haverford School. They just funnel them in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Has, what you described is the Haverford School. You, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, completely. Like they play lacrosse and stuff, but like so at our all boys Catholic school, there would just be these like groups of guys that would have these like be friends with like the hot girls over there. And then my only social capital with those guys was that I did the plays. And there were like some hot girls that did the plays, but didn't sing or like or act. They were only the dancers in the plays. Because like, they grew up doing ballet and now they're hot. And like that was they were like, oh that's Connor. He's friends with the hot girls that do the plays. And that was like that's how I got into the group. Oh wow. You can sneak into the boys club. You can, sne- you can being it. friends with no, the No it's hot true girls. being yeah. one because I mean um, my friends who do are on Broadway and stuff talk about this all yeah. the time, not offense to any male Broadway actors, but they always talk about how if you're a man, it's just so much easier to get cast because oh, the completely. competition is just like Yeah. So you're like yes. kinda like that that guy, yes. yeah. that cute guy that just stumbled into the play somehow. Yes. Not that you're not talented. No, I wasn't talented. (laughs) I had no business. So we would have like tap shows and everyone would wear, like the girls, the hot girls would wear tap shoes and everyone behind them would wear shoes without taps and we would just jump up and down. I swear to God. (laughs) Soft shoe jumping up and down. Soft Soft shoe. shoe. When you're not allowed to tap. (laughs) Um, We talked about that because I got cut from my middle school musical and we've had a conversation where it was like, if I was identifying as a boy at the time, they probably would have let me in it. Uh, No, they don't cut. Men. No they don't come in from the musicals. It's true. Cut. I was yeah. up for Joseph in the uh, Joseph in the Amazing Technical Dream. <laughs> I was. I almost got it, and then they made me the Pharaoh, which was the correct casting. The I iconic <laughs> role. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. remember the Pharaoh's wife? I oh, I just I, remember. I had the time of my life. I wore I, an Elvis suit. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. I got to do weird stand-up comedy in the middle of my song. Like yeah. I literally was like, "Hey, try the veal." Like in the middle, in the that's middle. Awesome. Of hey, my song. hey, 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 Joseph! Yeah. <laughs> did you do that one? Yeah. I did. Wait, that's one of my favorite musicals. Yeah, yeah. I love I, that. That's so fun. So sometimes I remind you that I am gay. Yeah, no. Fun. Sometimes Connor will pull out these like pop culture references or you like seem musical pretty theater. Gay to me. Pretty yeah, gay. I. But in like we don't like. I won't be like I'm going to Fire Island today to do poppers, but then sometimes. So it's usually not that, but then sometimes it'll be like, I love Joseph and he made a dead coat so much. Yeah, I just forget how gay you are sometimes, and then you'll pull yeah. things out like that, and I'm like, right, of course. Yeah. Um, but back to your boys club, to your point, I, I feel this sometimes now, where I'll be around, like, cishet men who will maybe be talking about women in a certain way, or just, like, kind of, like, give you this, open this door to a toxic masculinity, and they're like, do you want to come in? And you have to sit there and be like... It would be so easy and I could be accepted in an instant if I like went along with whatever we were talking about, but like it just is against all morals yeah. I have and I can't. Now that you're actually saying it. that and I'm reflecting on times where men have said things about women where I'm like, oh, you guys actually talk like this? Yeah. I, it has always made me deeply uncomfortable. Right. And I have to be that dumb lesbian bitch to be like, excuse me. <laughs> no, please we, don't speak that way. Yeah. It's mostly around, like, honestly, it's mostly around, I had one recently around, like, non-binary stuff. Mm. Where, like, I really, to my friend, I had to be like, look, I know I'm not going to change your mind, but when you're with me, you cannot talk about non-binary people that yeah. way. Like, you have to acknowledge that they are non-binary yeah. You have to use the correct pronouns. You can't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and I, hopefully it, hopefully it made some dent. Yeah. I mean, but, I feel like a certain talking to like that from a friend with being that clear about it, like, will at least be like, oh fuck, I didn't realize like how seriously you were taking this. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's it sucks that it always falls on like queer women, trans men, non-binary people to be the ones to like kind of shut off that toxic masculinity and have to be the ones to be like, this isn't cool. Because I do, I do want to part. I do have guy friends that I can participate in fun. I would call it borderline locker talk, where it's yeah. like you can talk about pussy, blah, yeah. Like, She's hot or she's hot, but it never crosses into a line of disrespect. Right. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's so fun and t- totally appropriate for anybody, I think, to be talking about people they find attractive with their friends. Totally. That's totally normal. So I long, just wanted to do it yeah. with boys. Right. Yes. And I was, I couldn't do it with anyone. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, that's an even extra layer to it that like I don't have now is that like, yeah, you really could not talk about it for yeah, fear yeah. of safety and for her, you know, sake and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Did you you didn't date anybody in high school, did you? Well, I, I had a, Catherine. Well, no, <laughs> I'm, you didn't have any gay relationships in high school um, until the no. end. No, but one guy that I had a huge crush on, who then lived in Bedside for a minute, reached out to me, and I was like, I it was like now he's gay, and it was like you were always gay, but <laughs> he used to drive me to the Wawa after school. Remember the Wawa? Wawa, Wawa. He would smoke weed in his car, and I would watch him smoke weed in his car, and, <laughs> and then just and then he reached out though. But part of me was like, I we're not bringing back old wounds from the past. Yeah, like we're um no, we're not doing this. But yeah. no, there were no gay relationships. Yeah, none. At an all boys school. Um. Well, other people have them. Not even a handjob. I was... No, I've never had sex in high school. No, I had sex... Well, okay. Oh, my God. Actually. So, in May of my senior year, this girl said who ended up being queer. I think he's engaged now. And she said that she wanted to lose her virginity to someone that cared about her. So, it absolutely doesn't count. But um, so we, like, <laughs> lied there together and it didn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like I'm the victim in that story. Like that's I'm the one that was that. Yeah, loss. you didn't want to do that. And then her mom came in. You know what oh, I mean? Oh jeez. Yeah, it was really bad. You were just like kind of soft. It just like didn't like it can go in, but it, it, is that sex? That's not sex. No. Like if it's just there or just in the vicinity. That's why I think people need to treat virginity as a spectrum and sex yeah. as a spectrum because yes. like that's like not sex as much as like a really right. good fingering is. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, completely. Like, yeah. yeah. And or a really bad fingering. <laughs> <laughs> the like concept a- of virginity is so stupid. It is so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very dumb. Cuz I feel like I've lost my virginity several different times because of just like different embodiments of myself or just different experiences yeah exactly the virginity that i lost in high school was like my baby virginity Mm -hmm. and then like i had sex in college and that felt way more like my actual virginity Mm -hmm. and then i started having really good sex in my early 20s and that was like a different level of virginity you know what i mean yeah no definitely talk to my therapist about that today (laughs) you can be 28 and still figuring things out about yourself i wanted to say i've been in therapy i was in therapy with the same therapist since i was four years old he passed away recently, and I'm I have sorry. a new I have a new therapist. No, it's it's okay. I've processed a lot of it, but like the conversation of you guys talking about how you do therapy is so funny to me, because <laughs> like I've never, I never, I grew up in therapy, so I never thought, oh, how do I sound to my therapist? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I just go straight for the darkest, most horrible things, and <sighs> I've yeah. walked around way too. Like I'm very jealous of that. We had Maddie Weiner. Well, it's on hard to find a. It's good so therapist. hard. It's hard, and there's. It's almost like in some ways like dating someone where there's like a lot of really boring upfront work that it's like, okay, if you just like kept going, would this be fine? That sounds insane. But like no. first dates are all shitty and it's like, well, if they make sense on paper, do you keep going for three dates? <laughs> and like, maybe no, maybe yes. But therapy is kind of the same way where it's like, yeah, the first time you talk to someone for an hour, they're not going to change your life. No. They right. need to you know have who to your be, roommate is. Well, yeah. I, I'm developing a solo show around 
his passing and my experience in therapy and my experience over like uh recovering from depression basically Mm. and Mm -hmm. ptsd and stuff like that and uh i when i met my new therapist i literally was like okay what i've got 30 years of stuff to unpack here so let's fucking go but i I knew in the first session i was like immediately but he also this is kind of sweet he also picked her for me so that was like a really that's really nice so beautiful i know isn't that like wow I don't. I haven't even told you about him, but like when I think about it, I get, I that's get really teary eyed. Yeah, that's gorgeous. He had like a whole thing about why he picked her, and they were in like he like led a. He's obviously like super old, and he led some sort of seminar at like a college or institution, and he she was like a favorite. Yeah. Colleague at the thing, so it was really cool. It was really that's awesome. Wonderful experience. Wow, that's really great that he did that for you. I mean, I mean, after seeing somebody for thirty years, I can imagine he felt like very yeah. close to you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, he didn't always express it. <laughs> but uh, but I, yeah, one time I said to him, I was like, "Don't you think this is so fascinating? Like that we isn't it so? Do you think we're the longest? Yeah, like single therapist patient relationship out there?" And he was like, "No." I was like, "Cool, great. All right. It's got to be up there, though. <laughs> Thirty years, it's got to be up. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's got to be up there." Yeah, especially because so many people were not in therapy for so long, and it's more of a newer thing. Like the yeah. odds are in your favor that yeah, it's yeah, got to yeah. be one of for the longer sure. ones. Yeah, you were four is so young to be in therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents had a really rough marriage, yeah. and my mom is a pretty mentally unstable person. But the one good, th- and I don't know whether it came from my mom or my dad, because my dad died when I was eleven. But the one solid thing I think that they did correctly was identify that I should be in therapy at a very young age. Yeah. I don't I don't really know how it happened. My mom blames it mostly on me. She's like, well, you were a very angry child. I was like, I was four. <laughs> so anything you were seeing, probably projection yeah. or bad parenting, but like, yeah. whatever, I'm going to let that go. <laughs> but she, that's what she says. But I have a feeling it was more about my parents fighting. Sure. Yeah. Um, and my dad was a believer in therapy, so I think it might have come from him too. Yeah. That's perfect. That's so early for, to be a believer in therapy. Yeah. That, no one in they were family. way ahead of the curve in that. Way ahead of it. Yeah. I was that's the first person in my family in therapy by a long time. Yeah, me too, I think. And I We were in New York. That's true. Oh, yeah. 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 Because yeah. 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 I always wonder, I mean, I go back and forth. I mean, because I'm, I'm very grateful for how I've my life has turned out and I think that like the way the timing of me figuring things out about myself was when I was ready to figure out it out about myself so like I'm not anxious for to have like figured it out earlier or anything like that but yeah. I do wonder had I been in therapy when I was like six and seven was clearly very anxious about something yeah had I would I have like come to the conclusion faster about yeah. like my identity and stuff I never even thought about that because I was like actively gay at such a young age I was hooking up with women in the eighth grade, I was like falling in love with women as yeah. soon as I hit puberty. And I, I always just was like, and when I started doing my podcast, I was always like, wow, people really take a long time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I figured it out. I just didn't want it to be true. Right. I knew it to be true. I was acting on my feelings. Yeah. But now I'm now that's I've never even thought maybe it was because I was in therapy that I was able to do that. Yeah. I'm honestly amazed at my levels of suppression that I it's crazy (laughs) like because like I was existing for so long without knowing I was trans or queer or anything and just like just had it so buried so deep yeah it's funny to think about you as homecoming queen I'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah it's crazy yeah in Savannah Georgia 
Like that is like deep south debutantes and I won. Like it's, yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of the great accomplishments <laughs> of my life. Um, so when I was like, my voice was always like this. And so but when I was like four, I remember people would be like, you sound like a girl. And then I feel like it took me 14. Like I didn't come out until I was like, 18, 17. I came out when I was like blackout drunk because I, well, I wasn't blackout because I remember it. So I was like, but oh, you were very drunk. Wish I was blackout. I was very drunk. But the police drove me home because I was doing something crazy. And then to get out of getting out of and like to weaponize it and be like, I shouldn't be in trouble because I'm gay. And then they were like, no, why are the police here? We said, why are the police driving you home? Yeah. So I like to leverage my coming out for that. But I feel like it took me like 14, <laughs> literally, and it didn't work. It took me 14 It's years. like playing the white lady card. You got to do it at yeah, some point. And, yeah. <laughs> and you got to save it and not use it in like such a chaotic situation. Yeah. But I feel like it was all of these years of like becoming okay with being gay. And it was just like constant, like, you sound like a girl. Or can I ask you a question? Are you gay? And like that for years. And then like, oh. you re- yeah, it was hard. But and, and, no, I've never even thought about it until right now. But I'm like, oh, like, it's almost like a breakup where at some point you're like, I'm actually okay with this. I'm, I've made peace with this. Yeah. Whereas that it's like eventually you're like, okay, I've made, I've like had all of these like people telling me it and now I'm like, okay, this is fine. A popular boy in Max's circle one time in seventh grade asked me, he was like, do you like boys? And I remember that question just being like, oh, oh my, how, how you see it? Like, how do you, yeah. how did you know? Yeah. Like I, I didn't understand how he knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember being a pretty little kid. I was like from zero till probably 11, zero <laughs> when I was a kid till I was like 11. I definitely was very like tomboy and like would like wear boys clothes and had short hair and all this stuff. And then when I got to middle school is when I kind of like assimilated a bit more. But when I was young, people would say to me all the time, they're like, you want to be a boy, don't you? And I remember being like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Like, that was what would freak me out yeah. all the time. And then when there would be old photos of myself from like fifth grade where I like, you know, look very much like a boy. Like when I had like boyfriends and stuff, I would like never want them to see those photos. I like never wanted my parents to put those photos out in the house. I was like, those need to be hidden. And like to the point where my dad was like, you really have an issue with this. Like you need to- I'm and, crying. But like, never, <laughs> but like never wanted, but then I was always like, I really could have used some therapy about this stuff. Yeah. Like, clearly it was causing me so much anxiety. All that to say, I wonder how, if things would be, like, how I would have navigated those situations differently had I been in therapy from a young age. Yeah. And been able to, like, talk to somebody about it. It's weird, because I can't even get out of my own right. way. Of, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't want to derail your entire podcast to no. make it about therapy. No, not at all. This is what we like to talk about. What is an example of a boys club that you <laughs> are in? This one's kind of stupid, but thank I... you for the feedback. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know the question. They're like, my, the question. my answer is stupid. The question: I used to be a software engineer. Um, that oh, was yeah. my. I majored in computer science. I was a girl who codes. I wrote their curly cloth. Um. So yes, I wrote girls who codes whole curriculum. It's been a while. Do you know curly cloth? No, I missed the window with Carly or like they started to not let me go to things because (laughs) that was was such a toxic work environment. And to be fair, I was a little bit extra, but I hadn't become like a real comedian yet. So I was like just being extra in my work environment. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Now I don't have to be like an insane person everywhere I go in normal situations because I'm (laughs) You have an outlet. I have an outlet. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing what I love. Yeah. Or I was doing what I love. Now I perform for gay people who scream at me. And <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I've been saying this to people. I was like, I miss Carnival Cruise Line so much. <laughs> I was Carnival Cruise Line's first open the um, gay performer. Oh, cool. Yeah. In 2018? In 2019. <laughs> what? Whoa. Oh my god. Performer of any type? No. Just comedians? Just... I don't know whether... Because the I don't know if you're aware of this trend, but the entertainment captain on these ships <laughs> usually is a flaming homosexual man. Like, yeah. twinky guy. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, that fits the vibe of a cruise line. Yeah. And then the... They are... <laughs> on the smaller ships, on the big ships, they're like really masculine. Like the women all want to fuck them. It, it, huh. Cruises are fascinating. Yeah. But I was the first open, to my knowledge, I was definitely the op- first openly gay comedian. Yeah. Mm. And to my knowledge, I think I was one of the only openly gay people. It's also one of the few uh, art forms where you do have to address that. Or you likely will yes. address that. Like you can sing and there's people no might not reason know. when you're hula hooping, right? In, in the when you're doing the wet t-shirt, I'm trans. Like contest, there's like no reason for the entertainment captain to be like, by the way, I fuck men. That's, there's yeah. just no reason for that. Yeah. But like in my, you, um, I had to be closeted on the PG shows. They didn't want mm. me to say that I was gay. Wow. Until finally, on the I have to give credit to this guy. On the last cruise, he was like, there's nothing R-rated about you saying you have a girlfriend. You don't have to, like, keep this. And that was wonderful because then I could move some of my clean gay material into my PG show, which is where it belonged. The R-rated show, for some reason, would be, like, a little bit like all these cutesy gay jokes about dating. And then just the raunchiest fucking shit you've ever heard in your life. Like, And then the PG show was, like just me dancing around just talking about anything yeah it was it was like a jerry seinfeld set because i couldn't talk about sex and dating because yeah. i was not gonna lie right and yeah. say that i dated men so i just did like observational humor yeah. in my in my ha- in my clean half hour wow. so whatever why am i talking about this girls women in stem yeah women in stem i was a you know a girl who codes i worked in predominantly male environments yeah. my friends were mostly male you know, like I, I was a proper software engineer and, uh, I hated it. Yeah. How many years did you do that? Honestly, barely at all. I, I majored in computer science and then I worked at MIT for like a year and a half mm. at a national security research lab. Whoa. Which is also a, that's a boys club. That's a boys club <laughs> for sure. There were a couple women there that I, what year was that? 2010 to 2012 I was there and I want to make clear that I didn't work on uh I worked on very non-lethal yeah. projects so I, I was gonna on, say did you see scary shit no I didn't see anything scary I worked on like robots that went into chemically contaminated areas to help people oh yeah. that's cool so you know no drones no weapons no intelligence yeah I worked on super like non like lethal projects uh, a lot of that stuff also when people work at those places people don't realize that you work with like police departments you work with fire departments you work on things that like are about pub like true public safety yeah um you know how how you can use sensors and robots to like map fires and predict where you're like supposed to put them out so just so you guys know i know like you know 
ACAB and all that, but there is some funding that actually will help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's going to the STEM teams. And it's going to the STEM teams. We are not uh, part of the problem. Right. Not, to- not all of us, anyway. Hacking the mainframe, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that was super interesting. And then I like had a startup for a hot second uh, while I was working at Girls Who Code. I had a startup and I was working at Girls Who Code and I was trying to become a comedian. Jesus Christ. What was your startup? It's so stupid, but it's digi- it's like the Google Docs for sheet music. So oh. it was so that orchestras and stuff like that could annotate and see each other's annotations and stuff like that and, and um, automatic page turning and, and things Wait, like I that. Wait, I don't think that's stupid because my roommate is doing This is why I don't oh, think Oh, it's stupid. not stupid. It's just an insanely small market and yeah. no one will ever invest. There's a presentation on my Vimeo that I found recently <laughs> of us like doing the like a ted talk type like, thing yeah like well i i also have a ted talk on teaching girls computer science and it is the bane of my existence it's the most viral video of me on the internet no way yeah it i w- look horrible is it <laughs> oh my do you, god do you get any jokes in there is it yes like, funny? so here's the even worse part of it <laughs> it's an hour <laughs> so the tape they were like so obsessed it was at myu they were like we're gonna put this on the main ted website like everyone's like super into this this is gonna go big ted not just little ted because it was tedx yeah and then it can go to big ted and everyone's like it's gonna go to big ted you're gonna make it to big ted the um camera and audio died during my presentation no. what? so i had to retape it for the catering staff oh my god all these cute little nyu kids they were so supportive they came and sat in the front row but they weren't mic'd so all my jokes Fucking bomb! Oh. Well, they didn't bomb. They they did well, they but just they, didn't weren't, get caught. they weren't mic'd. So now everyone everyone on the TED Talk is like, she's a comedian now. Like, she's horrible. Like, I'm like, no, I'm not. They're not mic'd. They're not mic'd! It's amazing how frequently tech people don't recognize that they need to fucking mic the audience yeah. for comedy stuff. Well, they didn't. This was like an emergency situation. I mean, yeah, situation. of course, that's not. Did they give you money at TED? No, they don't get money. I'm obsessed with being like, you get money from this? No. <laughs> you get money from that? It has almost like seven. And I now I think my YouTube presence is now pushing it even pushing more. Because it it's almost at a million. Whoa. Oh my so, God. yeah. It's like. It's, that's fucked. That should be monetized. That's crazy. <laughs> it is monetized. They're, they're getting money from money that. That's, 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 it should be illegal. When I looked you up on YouTube today, actually, you're, the first thing that pops up <laughs> yeah. is your page. Like when your, I Googled your you this morning. God. Yeah. It, I didn't, I don't, I, well, immediately it was your little like headshot with the. If my um, special, because I'm going to drop a YouTube special, if my special doesn't get more views than my TED Talk, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to quit. Yeah. I'm going to quit comedy. We'll that's so it. scary because the special probably really will support this TED Talk. And then <laughs> yeah, I think they rise together. <laughs> they rise it always has exactly 700,000 more views <laughs> than my fucking special. <laughs> you can't watch one without the other. Yeah. And then when your special is over, it'll They're probably be like, pieces in conversation with this. each other. <laughs> I really have thought, do I reach out to them and be like, please take this down? I don't, I'm not proud of it anymore. Yeah. It yeah. has some like kind of hacky jokes in it about how nerdy computer science men are, but because they're rich, they get like hot women. Like I make jokes about that. Like, mm-hmm. It's not who I am. It's, yeah. it's not. It's yeah. also so old. It's from 10 years ago. Yeah. There are videos of my me. Pants, it's, it's My hair. Time <laughs> is hard. And internet is hard. There are videos of me when I worked at a social, like a marketing thing. And I, of me like doing like a dress giveaway. And it's like, you can give away this dress. It's perfect to wear. Oh, those videos are hilarious. And I said, <laughs> I said which is crazy because who's asking me for fashion advice? One. And then two, I slut shame because I say, also, if you put a jack over it, you could wear it to work. But if not, 
cover your arms, beesh. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, of course you didn't mean it that way, but like we've just evolved. I hear it now and we I'm like, that's bad. We've evolved society to yes. be more sensitive to yeah. the way that we, you of course yes. didn't mean it that way. Me giving away like a size two Cynthia Rowley dress and then telling you where you should wear it is like, this guy, I'm wearing an Argyle sweater in the video. Like, <laughs> okay, but Argyle had a moment. And yeah. it wasn't this moment. It wasn't the moment. <laughs> Argyle had a moment in like, around when I was doing this stuff. Like, yeah. Argyle was super in in the early, two, uh, early 2010s. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just not proud of it. I don't love the way that I talk about a lot of things in it. And I, uh, it's not bad. It's not problematic. It's right. just like not who I am as right. a comedian. Yeah. Right. I mean... It would be like having a, yeah, I can't imagine like having a viral work presentation from something that was non-comedy related. Like, that's crazy. And also, it is so weird to see, to have these like video, I don't know, like markers of where you were at, how you looked, how you spoke, all of this at this moment in time. I was a tech guy in the video before my glow up. Like, I was like a nerdy, Yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't see myself as an attractive person mm-hmm. i was hiding you know what i mean yeah like my yeah. eyebrows were fucked up and my hair was a mess and like i'm such a dweeb even the way my face you should go and watch them because like my face doesn't look this i look like a totally different it's like princess diaries yeah yeah it princess, is it's the princess diaries it is vibes. like a 90s movie where they take my glasses off and they straighten my hair <laughs> no, okay, i don't straighten you're beautiful have you seen wicked Wicked? Yeah, Wicked. No, it's been a while. What? Oh, there's a moment in that where she literally takes her glasses off, Glinda, and she's like, Elfie, you're beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) You're beautiful. That's like how I, you know, and then I met a straight woman who I had a closeted relationship with for three years, and she essentially fixed me, and that was- Reverse queer eye. (laughs) Straight eye. eye. I mean, that's what queer eye is, right? It's like- quote unquote feminine men fixing masculine men that's yeah. like how it started yeah um now it's totally different thank god but now yeah. it's them giving therapy yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's, and now two of them are dating right i think it was a joke oh really uh, yeah anthony and what's the other guy's name no th- no it's another person's name I should it say. was it's almost like queer queer people queer baiting which is fascinating they um jonathan van ness they were like we're together now but it was um it was an, an ad for something I think he does. Oh, so it was like a People marketing thing. attention. It was like a marketing thing. There's a oh, there's a brand. It was like selling on. dog food or something. All that what? for some cat food, dog food. That's crazy. Why, are, yeah. why am I not sponsored by cat food? I I am like yeah. deeply offended that the cat food companies haven't reached out to me. You got to reach out to them. Be proactive. I know. When I worked in marketing, people would reach out. All these companies have so much money and they don't know what to do with it, and they'll just throw it at people that email them. Like, swear to God. Kind of worked at our ex bar for a while. We're all gay. I have two gay brothers. It's too many. And, but it was only three of us. And all three of them are gay. What were they feeding you? He's like, <laughs> they were feeding you cum. They were just giving you cum. Like, Your mom swallowed too much while she was nursing you. My mom was a lawyer. My dad was a stay-at-home dad. It honestly makes sense if you were to think about it. You're like, well. But what's beautiful about TikTok, TikTok is so strange, but what's beautiful about it is because you talked about how, like being a kid, for so many people in the world, there's no one who's like, hey, Maybe you're not the gender that you were assigned. Hey, maybe you're not attracted to the opposite sex. But TikTok does that. It brings like all, I I don't know what it's like in Arkansas, but I wonder if there are people in Arkansas that are like, hey, like having these conversations with themselves and then maybe each other years earlier than they would have. I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's this double-edged sword where I'm like, I can't even like emotionally wrap my head around some of the things that people say to me at shows. 
and in DMs. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It, they're not crazy, but hearing it is, like, very emotionally intense. That being said, I'm so, I'm so glad they have these things, yeah. TikTok. And, but at the same time, it is also creating so much uh, anxiety, depression, suicide. Yeah. Black, kids aren't playing outside anymore. Teachers are like, what the fuck is going on with kids? So it's, like, yeah. this weird thing where you're, like, how do you give them the benefits of, like, having role models on the internet mm -hmm, without right. the illness of cell phone addiction and social media. Yeah. Totally. No, it, it yeah. absolutely, it goes both ways. Cause there are like, especially for queer people, I think there's a real benefit to like yeah. being able to find community on the internet yeah. and you, when you lack it or you have to be quiet about it or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm fucking addicted to my cell phone. I don't know anybody who isn't, you yeah. know, like to some degree is like a little bit, it's constantly around and like, I can't imagine, like I didn't have a, an iPhone until I was 16. So most of my like at least you know early formative years was not with my a screen kids are like hate that. Me because yeah. I'm not I'm not letting yeah. them do it. I gotta yeah. say because I I coach youth soccer to the boys at home. Um, so the I'm amazed at how many of them don't have phones. I was expecting them all to have phones and to all be like constantly on them. I coach. How old are they? Nine and ten and eleven year olds and they. I'm really, so glad they don't. They have really phones. don't have phones. But I was so surprised by that. It was actually when I first started coaching there and we were doing summer camp. It was Pokemon cards we had to tell them to put away all the time. Like they're so good. into Pokemon. Honestly, good. Yeah, that it, makes it, me so happy. A couple of like the high school, like late middle school age kids have phones and like one of them will have it and they're all like gathered around. So they clearly like are around technology. So they know I love like that's gather exciting. around. Yeah. Come here. Yeah, it's like one, I have phones. One kid being like, we're gonna like YouTube. Yeah, whatever. But that's how it was when I was a kid. Right. We'd all gather around a computer computer mm -hmm. and like well i'm i think i'm yeah. a little bit older than you guys i'm 34 28 okay so we would all gather around i know you're like five we'd, we'd <laughs> gather around a computer and watch whatever yeah we, we didn't even have youtube youtube was yeah. new and if you get as luck if you get so lucky that you can start to work with other people on your projects like god what a gift it is to work with like really good people Confident yeah people. yeah if not it's me, hard. then who? We just talked about that today. <laughs> we did talk about that today. Because in high school, this That's girl... That's a very goopy way to like... <laughs> yeah. Not, I, it's, I wish it were more group than it is. In <laughs> high school, we had this alumni who died at war, which is at, literally sad. There's not a joke about it. It's just wow. sad. And his hot sister came, would come to this all-boys school and give a presentation. And I just remember thinking, this girl's really hot, definitely a Republican. But she'd give a presentation and she'd be like... Blonde? Yeah, yeah, not originally, but definitely blonde when she got to her school. And she, <laughs> she would be like... His saying was, if not me, then who? And that was like the moral of it. And then they gave us all like live strongs after, like fake live strongs that just said, if not me, then who? And then we'd walk around and be like, but then one time in a job interview, I, they were like, what's like, what's your vibe? And I was like, my ah! vibe is if not me, then who? Amazing at a job interview. There yeah. was a veteran that um, he went to my high school and yeah. he passed away recently. And he used to say, if not me, then who? And I took that and I've got this, that was like such a, in the like 20, like oh. 14, 15, was yes. like, whatever it is, put it on a one of those plastic nylon yeah. wristbands and call it a day. I mean, there were entrepreneurs selling them in the schools, like like selling them at 50 cents higher than whatever their mom bought them for. The people they would hire to speak at schools, it's so, we've talked about it before, it's so crazy. It's I me. Know. <laughs> Do you speak at high schools? I've, I've like done colleges, like stand up and then also like gay panels. And I'm like, yeah. you guys, I'm not. I'm not a good resource. Somebody one time after seeing me at a show asked That's me if I'd scary. be willing to do stand-up for his eighth grade class, and I was like, probably not. Wait, it's hard. Eighth, oh, as a teacher? Yeah. I thought I was a 14-year-old. It's no, 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 really no, no, tough. No, no. I've it's done, I've done um, like middle school. Yeah, it's, it's hard. hard to know, because my material is not explicit. I don't really talk about sex much at all, um, but it is like 
does have like an adult sensibility to the punch of course. I don't because I'm performing adult. for adults and I'm an adult right so like I don't know that it would translate you know how why I was okay at it is because the PG shows on carnival right you can yeah. get feedback from the children of what they're laughing at because mm-hmm. there are kids in the yeah. room so yeah, yeah. Anybody who's ever done a stand-up show for children, that's a, that's an entirely different skill set in my mind. Like to then. I don't like that I've done it. Like I don't like admitting to you that I perform for children. But it feels like from a writing and performance aspect, it will teach you something. Like you, there's yeah. definitely something to be learned from. They like have a much more chaotic sense of humor. Children, yeah. they don't, they don't always like have the full logic. Oh, I mean, I clean up at soccer practice. Like <laughs> they are the best audience. Like they just like I do stupid, stupid bits. Throw some poop in there. Oh uh, yeah, I try to avoid that because they get too excited about that, and then they start talking about. It. I'm like, I actually I can't be doing this anymore. But they, especially like little little kids, like you just have to pretend like when you're playing games with them, you have to pretend if they hit you with a soccer ball that it really hurts. They think that's so funny. fall over. Yeah, so die. Funny. Coach dies. They love death. They think that's the funniest <laughs> thing. <laughs> Guys at practice, kill. They're, They're not dying. scared yet. They don't know fear. No, they don't. Know. They, they, they think it's so funny. It's also so great. Like I've been thinking about this recently. Like they don't know. They don't have like the wherewithal, like these five-year-olds-they-don't-know-the-wherewithal-yet-to-like-understand-soccer-concepts-really-but-they-do-know-how-to-make-a-plan-to-like-sabotage-the-other-team-and-I'm-like-how-do-you-have-like-these-like-understand
men have traditionally had so much to start with. It doesn't feel like we do need to push boundaries, but there are other like, you know, boundaries. But they're more personal boundaries. more of an yeah. internal boundaries. More exactly. internal boundaries. Right. Yeah. It's not like as much like success driven or anything like that, but there is not a comparable conversation for men. Which and they're does... not okay. No. And I really believe that if, because I know this from YouTube, the men are not okay. No. They're commenting weird shit. They're upset. They like, a lot of them will be like, oh, this is a woman I actually think is funny. That's so cool. I get that all the time on YouTube. Wow, a funny woman. Like for, like mm-hmm. genuinely, I've never seen a, fun, a woman that I think is funny. And I'm like, are you okay? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you, I was at a show at Gotham the other night. Very normal crowd. I actually fucking loved it. I was like, nice. wow, I'm so glad to be in front, in front of these people who don't know me, who are normal. Yeah. Um, And normal in the sense that it was diverse. Yeah. It was like. All kinds of people in that mm-hmm. room. And my main main situationship is in the back of the room. And she commented after the show, she saw these two guys just like, I had the best set of the night, not to sound like a jerk or yeah. anything like that, but I just objectively had the best set of the night. And the guy who followed me was just straight bombing, but she was like, these two guys in the back were like way more engaged by the man who was just bombing than they mm-hmm. were by you. Mm. There are just certain guys that like, they just cannot. Yeah. They feel less dominant. They feel emasculated. Yeah. Emasculated. Yeah. By just even letting a woman have the floor. You, you know what I mean? You about you when you're with Maddie sometimes. There's the way that people, yes. attention people do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know- A fan walking on stage, they have it harder than anybody. Absolutely. I noticed it pretty much right away when I transitioned and uh, especially when I was talking about it more on stage. Even at open mics, I would notice, like, the respect that the women in the room were getting and was different than the way people were... Like, people were definitely quiet when I got on stage and, like, listening and engaged, where, you know, open mics sometimes people are not paying attention or whatever. And I was watching it happen to, like, all of our friends that are women, and I was like, this is so fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. I get get more respect, too. Yeah. So I work at... I'm a group fitness instructor, and over the weekend, there was this, like, WhatsApp message. A lot of times in group fitness, and I'm... I'm the fucking best. Like, like you had the best of the night. Like, I'm very good at my job. I'm good at my job. He is good. And very good. At his, uh, I, my abs hurt for so many days after your class. Do you know gay men in the fitness world? Oh, they're, they're all gay in the fitness world. I need to get to Cody Rigsby and have him on my podcast. Oh. Uh, the Peloton instructor. But, so, I'm a Pilates instructor, and, like, oftentimes I hear people say that they, like, don't like taking women instructors. Because it's just like, they just like, don't like to be told what to do by a woman. They don't say that, but it's like kind of what I engage from it. It's like, I think women in fitness instructors have a shitty time. So then one of the managers said, we got this feedback from, on this male coach. They were so happy to see him in studio. And most of the instructors at the studio are women. And she was like, the, the client said it was really great to have male, a male around, which is really great male energy. And then I gave it an eye roll emoji because I was like, you are beating yourself down, sister. Stand yeah. up. Yeah. Like, I think that there's just like a, and it's usually women that are saying things like that that are like, and I think men, obviously. Oh, I know. And then get, yeah, just like, won't. Well, it's a lot of down. women who, uh, like, I uh, criticize female comedians, you know, not usually younger women, but older women that criticize maybe some of the same women that are, you know, taking these, these girls. Yeah, trying to get away from the kids. Yeah. But they are like, oh, women, they just talk about their their junk and their yeah. genitals on stage. Which and... is so crazy to me because I feel like the response a lot, of, at least like whenever I've had like people DM me like trans guys, and like, oh my God, I've never seen a trans man on stage before doing comedy. That was so cool. It's like, why would women not want to like see themselves represented up there? Like that's what's one of the fun things. Because we've been taught the most oh, yeah. self-loathing. Of course. Yeah. Horrible things. Yeah. And I love women. 
But yeah, they, it, we're we're the best. But it just sucks how some women really tear other women down. It's awful. And I use Cody Rigsby, but I like to. There's just one woman that I like. She's like this older woman who like kind of has this dominatrixy vibe. <laughs> yeah. Robin. I don't know. Christine. Christine. Wait, like you're, Christine. you're a Peloton. You're yeah. Another person. I have a Peloton too. Yeah. I don't have a Peloton. It's in my building's gym. Well, it's been broken and I want to, I'm like, I need my endorphins. Can you get this? Cause I, I have so many injuries. I can't really work out anymore unless it's cycling yeah. for yeah. cardio. Anyway. Would you go to school cycle? I'm scared to go. Wait, I think you'll, wait, why? Okay, I'm, wait. I don't know because I'm a little weak bitch and like no, I have so many no. joy problems and I'm, <laughs> I'm not like good at it. No, that's why people go to get better. You gotta go. You gotta go. I can't always do like the standing up for very long because of my bad knee. Oh, well then you just sit in the saddle. I know, but everyone's looking at me. I think you would, no, no, no. Everyone's obsessed with themselves. Do you know what I mean? I would never even look around the room not once. I'm just like, I look at the mirror, like at myself. <laughs> like, if I can be in the back and like opt out of the leaderboard, I think I- We don't even have a leaderboard. Also, I just want some privacy because I talked about Peloton on the episode that you were on and people are already starting to follow me on Peloton. I'm like, leave me no. the fuck alone. <laughs> Let me have one. I don't tell people my Goodreads. I don't want people to know what books I'm reading. No, not because there's sure. anything embarrassing, but I just want something no, for my fucking have self. For yourself. Like yeah. not everything is supposed to be a community. Right. Yeah. Not everything's supposed to be followed. Yeah. No. But I think that about what that was this whoop where then you can tell, see how much sleep your friends got. No, Ew. no! Oh, somebody random one time, like somebody I met at a bar was like, I moved to join my team and like yes. kind of forced me into it and then I got out of it. I was like, I don't know how weird we're, we're sick. Yes. Yeah. We're sick so in the head. This yeah. is part of the internet that we don't need. Yeah. Leave us alone. Yeah. Even you, I, I love you more than anyone in the whole world. You know Every why you can't fucking sleep and you bought whatever this is? The whoop? Because you're online too much. And now best. you're online-ifying your sleep. You're yeah. not, this is the, the opposite of yes. what you need to do. I think when the lights go down, I, I think that I don't sleep because I love to eat ice cream after dark. I love it. I eat like pints of ice cream after dark. That's like, so cool. Yeah. And then I don't <laughs> fucking sleep for days and I'm just like, because you're all jittery from there ice cream. Are, in my new, I, I just moved because I used to live in a studio apartment and my, I, I slept in my office. I worked from home. It was just like such an unhealthy situation. Mm-hmm. No phones allowed in my room. I'm a phone yeah. free room. I'm yeah. sleeping like a rock. It's oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm considering getting you myself. an alarm clock. And I, no, I, I, well, this is some privilege that I have, but I, my body, I just wake up in the morning when my body wakes up. I don't usually have morning appointments. I don't set morning yeah. appointments. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm considering getting myself like an analog alarm clock so that I can put my phone in a different room. Yeah, you should do it. And just use do it. Do it. Wait, yeah. this is related to that. I, I plug my across the room to my wall and it, my room looks like a hotel room or a hospice or, or a rehab center. Because it's just like a bed and a <laughs> But you really took that down the, you started with hotel room and then we went into the hospice. <laughs> and then it got dark. It's like a bed and there's a Peloton and there's a big TV that a man mounts into the wall and a task rabbit. And, but it really actually has changed like my I feel like a lot was anxious because whenever I would watch on my laptop I'd be like watching HBO but then like suddenly right googling alien life checking yeah. my email yes, yes. Like, yeah and yeah. now it's like no laptop shut I think I might put TV. a projector like one of those cheap yeah that'd be fun yeah. yeah it has made me a lot more like mindful I was, of us were mindful I was just watching I practice yeah. so yeah. annoying one of you. you are you are a big uh, yeah big meditation. big yeah well I, like I said earlier I, I have a major recovery from depression and yeah. stuff like that and have I you mean, a bunch of like a mindfulness you do it at your house right i just meditate every day and i usually do it outside one time we went to in chicago i went to this place called chill and it was just like a mindfulness 
whatever. And we would sit on a pillow and they'd like read do a reading and it was like the most beautiful thing in the world. But I think that I am really bad at doing that by myself. I I went to like a sound meditation yeah. once in one of these places and I was like, I really just prefer to have this just be my personal my personal thing. Yeah. But yeah. you know, if if going to a center helps you, yeah, then do it. And I, I took to mindfulness because I was like suicidal and my therapist told me that he was dying. And so I was like really very motivated right. to do this type of stuff and it worked for me yeah. yeah but it takes years like it takes do an app i started with headspace i love 10 percent happier i just had one of my favorite teachers from 10 percent happier on the podcast cool. um if you guys are interested listener um her name is sabanay uh salasi and she she did my podcast recently cool well that'll be out soon but yeah i just i fucking love it and I love it. It makes yeah. me a better person. Makes I, me a better partner. Makes me a better comedian. Yeah. 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 I've been wanting to do some because I, I'm, I'm sure you guys both feel the same way. Like because being a writer and a, like there's always something you could be doing. There's always something you'd be thinking about, especially when you're like self-employed, self-generating all your stuff. Like you're constantly thinking about stuff. So I've been trying to implement more like downtime in my life and like leisure time and like I don't know. It's just nice to be like away from anything that has to do with career yeah. stuff. Yeah, I have to do more. Uh, I'm I'm not okay. It's so weird. I went from like being very unhappy and not having any fulfilling work to this very short window before the pandemic that I would describe as the happiest period of my adult life, where mm-hmm. I was wor- a carnival working comedian on a carnival. So I felt challenged by the work enough. I was you know doing half hour shows every day, sometimes two, which is off for great audiences. And then the pandemic hit. And my work got incredibly fulfilling. Yeah. But now I'm on the other side of it where it's like, I'm genuinely a very happy person, but I have too much on my plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never felt like I've had too much on my plate in my life. Because yeah. Yeah. I'm the type of person that's like, more, more on my plate. Put everything on my plate. I yeah. want all of it. Yeah. And now for the first time in my life, I'm like, too much. No. Yeah. I'm full. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't figured it out yet. I'm, you, you've texted with me. I'm nuts. <laughs> I'm fully insane. I can't even imagine trying to coordinate anything with me right now. I'm just like, you know, yeah. I'm nuts. It's, uh, it's hard though. It's hard. It's hard to go from, I'm, I mean, I'm only imagining, but I'm sure it's really hard to go from wanting all these things to getting it and then being like, well, now I'm here. And then all, it's, it's a lot. I'm yeah. Sure. And there's a lot more that you're not expecting. I yeah. Think. And the part of it that I wasn't expecting was for the comedy to now be not as fulfilling as it was when I was doing Carnival Cruise Line. Yeah. Which is super weird to have this fan base that loves you, but they are not a comedy audience. And so you're not able to push the boundaries. They just want you to say gay, pussy, gay, pussy over and over again. Yeah. Um, so you can't push the boundaries or when you do push the boundaries, they're just not as responsive. Yeah. So I'm learning that as well. Yeah. I feel like though you're, I think I'm hoping and I believe that you will be able to expand it to like, I think so. Other audiences. I believe in myself. It's just yeah. going to be, it might be a two or three year journey. Yeah. So like I, I have to emotionally steal myself, which is why the mindfulness is like, so, so important. Yeah. Cause I will, I will. I'm, like, close to having, like, a Dave Chappelle, like, I'm going to South Africa. Like, I, I'm, like, you know, not to invoke Dave Chappelle yeah. on, like, a partially trans podcast. <laughs> but, like, that part of him, I'm like, oh, I get why. Uh, and he yeah. was so much more famous than I was at that point. Yeah. But I totally understand like the, the weird fame mental breakdown. Yeah. 
I said to my uh, so, um, someone this morning, I was like, how does Beyonce do it? Like, how do they, how do any of these celebrities do it? Because I feel like I'm nobody. No one knows yeah. who I am. And she said back to me, she goes, Ashley, drugs. <laughs> you don't do any drugs. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. You do no drugs. No drugs. Sober? Totally. Any? Well, sort of. Weed? No, no Mushrooms? weed. Mushrooms? No. I've thought about that one. Though. Thought about microdosing. I don't know that I need to. Maybe I should. I love, I did mushrooms two, one time, but two days in a row. So, but one time. So, like, one was a really small dose. I'm sober for six years. One was a small dose. So, sober from alcohol and now apparently not mushrooms. But, like, sober. One small dose. Second day, larger dose. Second day, couldn't have gone to work like that. First day, I felt, I was like, oh, I think this is how normal people feel. Because mm. I feel like my brain is always, and maybe yours is too, I'm not sure. It's always a little bit against your razor's edge. And that razor's edge is why you're successful. Because that razor's edge pushes you to do more and yes. everything. Yes. But then at the same time, sometimes it's like, oh, but wouldn't it be nice if it were a dull razor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just dull That's how I feel sometimes meditating, not lately. Yeah. But during my happiest period, I felt like, oh, man, I'm just perceiving the sky being blue. Yes. I'm hearing birds <laughs> singing. You might <Yeah>. love <laughs> <laughs> You're just aware. You're just because I'm always like you're present. Yeah, and the mushroom. I was like, yeah, yeah. You don't have that background noise of the yeah. constant anxieties. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a family history of alcoholism and drug yeah. abuse, and uh, I was just scared, so I never. It's freaky. Yeah. Everyone has one story about someone that went haywire on mushrooms. You just can't listen to those people. Oh, I'm not worried about that. Microdosing, because I'm a mindfulness person like that. I'm like, yeah, like if that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's hardest? I don't even know where you, how you would even do that. Like, uh, is there a doctor that's gonna like? There are doctors that study it, and yeah. that's another part of drugs that I'm really super afraid of because I've never done drugs. So for yeah. me to just like find a dealer is the most intimidating. Yeah. I'd like my doctor to prescribe it for me, and then yeah. I could go and get it. Yeah. Well, there's so much study now about like psychedelics, and I, I feel like we're that's that that's as a like a mindful person. I'm mm-hmm. deeply interested by yeah. that. That's what told me on this therapist was that she was like usually when I say tell people I did mushrooms, they're like, but you're sober, and I'm like, okay, but I did mushrooms two days in a row one time, and they grow in the ground. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like it's it's not. It's also it's not like growing. are they a chemically addictive? Yeah. substance and I'm not sure that they are in the same way that nicotine and right. alcohol and yeah 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 but everybody's different everyone yeah. has yeah. yeah I feel like sobriety could be similar to like our virginity conversation where it's like you're sober from alcohol yes but like that doesn't mean you've never tried other stuff like I don't know say if your mushrooms you know, ever made me be mean to my mom or <laughs> punch a cop you know like, punch a cop but I tried that's so funny I tried cop Jeremy yeah cop Jeremy <laughs> I think it's got me good. Officer Jeremy, technically, yeah. but I like Cop Jeremy. Cop better. Jeremy. Cop that's, Jay. That's funny. Yeah. Damn. Then I woke up out of a blackout and he handed me a mom and said, clean up your piss. <gasps> in the jail. I know. I can tell you that part of the story. Whoa. Yeah, yeah that part doesn't make it on stage. You that's went to jail? Oh, I just peed. I just tried to assault him and then went to jail and then woke up out of a blackout and it just peed everywhere. And then they're just like, your dad's coming. This is such a sad story. Your dad, not sad, but it's like, no, it's just beautiful. Story. And then they're like, your dad's coming down. It's like, my dad? And they're like, yeah. So then my dad comes, he bails me out of jail, and then takes me to Burger King. So mad. But I, I. God, I was such a good kid. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. That's, I was not <laughs> at all. It was very chaotic. But then it was fine, because this is where the privilege part comes in, because they paid $1,000, and then it, yeah, know, it yeah, yeah. Some service, and it went away. Yeah. But. Well, it's funny, because you're so. I would consider you pretty straight-laced now. Yeah, you don't strike yeah. me as 
you're not a problem maker. Like, you know what I mean? You're not oh, a problem no. maker at all. I, wanna be, that I, don't want, I want to be, un- as you said earlier, I don't want to be perceived. I want to be like, yeah. you handle our problems. But until they, the until they get really bad, and then I say, no. <laughs> like a dog. I touched this man. man. This dog touched this man. I said, babe, no. Babe, no. Babe, no. You said, babe, you got to sit down. Babe, you got to sit down. Because he was trying to give Alex the shot. Anyway. He, yeah. Was, um, awesome. Should we, we'll plug your socials before we go? Uh, if you just search Ashley Gavin, I hope to God I'm the first one that comes up. It's technically Ash Gavs. I don't care. If you like me enough, you will find me. And, yeah. then, and if you're listening from another state, um, I have tour dates all over the country. So just go to my website. I'll, here's what I actually want to plug. Please sign up for my text alert. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen me have aneurysms on Instagram about this. <laughs> I will text you only when I'm in your city. And then you'll know that I'm coming there. And I will never bother you otherwise. Yeah. And don't be like a little bitch about it. Don't be like, I get so much spam. I'm not going to spam you. I'm not Target. I'm not a sunglasses company that's going to be like, end of summer sale. Like, I'm just going to be like, hey, bitch, it's me. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. So can you just do that? Yeah. It's the easiest way to remember to get tickets. So definitely do that. You're never going to remember to check my Instagram, you piece of shit. Yeah. You're going to forget who I am in two days. Yeah. Go so do it now while you like me. Sign up for the text list. Sign up for the text alerts. Yep. That's going to be the title now. <laughs> the text alert. Sign up for the text alert. Um, awesome. Ashley, thank you for being on. We'll, uh, thanks for having get me. Get out of here in three. One, two, three. <laughs> hey, boys. Thanks for listening to our podcast, Boys Club. Connor, where can they find you on socials? You can find me on Instagram at Connor Janda. That's C-O-N-O-R. Panda with a J. You can find me at Nico Carney, N-I-C-O Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. You can follow both of us at Boys Club Comedy on Instagram. We have a monthly show at Club Coming, last week of the month. Uh, if you're in New York City, you better come hang out, come part, be part of the club. Okay, see you soon, boys. XOXO. Bye.